Welcome to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode six, and it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, visit araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. This is a happy hour of a couple of guys having a drink, maybe two, and talking about digital marketing, and then maybe a few extra things about life. Before we begin, what happy hour is complete without a few beverages? Chris, let me know. What are you drinking right now? So I went with a Dogfish Head Namaste White tonight. It's a Belgian-style white ale, and uh, according to the tagline, it's bursting with good karma, which is good because I could use some. What about you, Ryan? What are you drinking? (laughs) Really? What a great theme. I am uh, drinking from a uh, considered local brew. It is out of uh, Clearwater, Florida, so local to this area. It is Big Storm Brewery. And it is also Belgium. It's called Category 3, and it's a Belgian triple. And it is definitely one that is great if you're at home. If you're out at the bar and you're having a few of those, you're definitely going to need an Uber or cab, something like that, maybe take a lift. It's, uh, the alcohol is about a 9%, maybe 9.5%, something like that. But I love it. It's great. It's seasonal. The fact that it's called Category 3 is also something that I love because as we are in a hurricane zone here in Florida, I think it's something that, you know, is very relative to sort of the area that we live in. So I am definitely in the Belgian uh, world that you are in as well. Well, it sounds like a winner in my book. So we've got our beverages in hand. Let's get started. He's Ryan Smith. I'm Chris Casale. Thank you for joining us this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. Marketing is a big passion of ours, and naturally, we hope you'll enjoy this episode. We're really motivated by the goal of helping your business achieve results so you can reach your goals. In this episode, we're going to discuss the importance of SEO. In case you weren't aware, SEO is search engine optimization during a global and economic unrest. Content and SEO are mutually exclusive. However, content And optimizing that content for search engines, a.k.a. SEO, is more important than ever. We felt this topic was very relevant right now. In particular, if you've listened to the last few episodes of the podcast, you know we've been primarily focused on content and content marketing. Well, we got a lot of questions after those episodes, namely, how do I know what's the right type of content for me to be developing? In addition to that, anytime you go into an economic downturn, one of the first things that gets cut is the marketing budget. Now, we could have a whole other podcast dedicated to whether that's the right approach or not, but it is a fact marketing budgets get cut during times like this. So how do you know what content to produce if you've got less marketing budget, maybe your paid campaigns are not going to be able to deliver at the same rate they were, the only thing you can turn to is search engine optimization, a strong organic strategy. We figured best way to delve into this this week 
was to focus on two areas. The first being, you know, the content marketing side of search engine optimization, how to know what content to create, and then dissemination of that content, or what's known as off-page SEO, essentially link building and getting traffic and traction for the topics that you create. Next week, we're going to go a little bit further and talk about some of the data and analytics and how you can determine what people are reading, what's working, what's not working, and whatnot. So with that, Ryan, I'm interested in developing content for my site. Where do I start? How do I, how do I know what the right approach is? Great intro to that. And I think, you know, content is nothing new to create for websites. It's obviously sort of the fuel that we have needed to get your website listed high in the ranking of the search engine results page. However, content has changed a little bit. The amount of content being created is not the same as it was just a few years ago, let alone 10 years ago. So don't create content just for the sake of content. We used to hear of of a lot of times blogging, and it's crazy, 500 words. Create a 500-word blog, do it several times um, a month, a week, and that will help propel you high in the uh, search engine results page. However, that's changed a little bit. I think you, you can no longer do that, especially if a lot of people are doing that. So what you need to do is take a step back. Quality is much better than quantity. Qu- the quality being what is going to add value to your end user, what is also going to get some sort of engagement, engagement in the sense of, If you have a comment section, are people going to leave comments on your website? Engagement in the sense of, are people going to refer their website to your website? What I mean by that is getting a backlink, you know, sort of that inbound link where somebody is, your content is so good that maybe another website is writing a blog content and they're going to link, you know, for more information, uh, link some, some sort of keyword in this sense, say we're talking about content marketing, and they link the words content marketing, and then they send traffic to your website because you added value and you become a resource. So that now has been bigger, and the main reasons for creating this content is to add value, to get that engagement, and in the end, hopefully you get those sort of inbound links. And again, those inbound links come from third-party other websites linking to your website. And again, the whole point of that is is because you have now that authority, you've shown that expertise, and you have built that trust, which Google has, by the way, that acronym is EAT, Expertise, Authority, and Trust. When you have that, that kind of content is what helps propel you and you rise in the rankings organically. So again, Don't create the content for the sake of content. The other part, two of that, is maintain a publishing schedule. I think it's very important. You pick a day of the week, and you create your content and publish it, whether it is on Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it is. Pick a day of the week and publish that content. So that is uh, our our first, uh, first point. I think one of the keys in what you just said is create value. We talked about this in one of the previous episodes of the podcast, how content comes in many forms. It can be a video, it can be a podcast, it can be a written article, it can be an infographic. There's so many ways to create content. I feel like a lot of the clients that I have worked with or a lot of the, you know, 
quote unquote professionals in this, the SEO industry, uh, they're looking for almost a checklist, right? Do these five steps every time and you're going to have success with SEO. And I think simply put, and we're going to talk about some of the tools you can use and some general rules that you can follow. But I think one of the keys to remember is it's, it's all about delivering that value. If you could deliver value in 200 words, great. That's content. If it takes 1500 words, that's fine too. If it takes a 15 minute video or a 30 second video, it doesn't matter. The length is appropriate to whatever expertise you're trying to demonstrate. And in some cases that might be very short and others that might be very long. So if you focus on value at the core, that's going to help you achieve the level of success you're looking to with the content. So, so and, and, and sorry, Chris, with this type of, you know, where a lot of businesses maybe are shut down or they're opening back up again and they're not quite getting the revenue they did, there's a lot of, a lot of times you, you sort of see people's like, you know what, I don't have time to create all this content. I don't have time to wait for the algorithm to lift my website to the top. And they just go right to some sort of like sales pitch and, and writing this sales copy or talking something about them being, you know, promoting their own brand or business. How do you feel, you know, what's your opinion for that? I think if you focus too heavily on sales, you're going to very quickly turn people off. I, we talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts as well, this idea that if you're, you know, sell, sell, sell all the time, you know, think about it from your own perspective. Do you want to be bombarded with ads? Do you want to be bombarded with aggressive sales? The answer is no, none of us do. We've got a very limited amount of attention and we don't want to have that disrupted with, uh, you know, buy, buy, buy mentality. So no, the answer to that is, uh, you know, I want to go, I want to learn, I want to acquire information. And maybe that information is just information that helps me make a better buying decision. But I want to be able to absorb content that helps me learn something rather than have something forced down my throat. So the big question there, Ryan, is as a business, how do you know what the content is that you should be developing if it's not sales oriented? No, it's great. I think there's a couple of things. First of all, anything that adds value, we keep saying that. So what adds value? Well, value is a little different to everybody. One thing that I think you can say is unanimous is something that is educational. If I can come and read your blog post, listen to your podcast, watch your video on YouTube, on Instagram, and I come away with something that I have learned, all of a sudden now, that's what adds value. So just to clarify, when we say add value, that's what we're talking about. So when we look at this third point here, adding value, you have to take a step back. You need to focus on customer needs. Does your content pass? Will this help my customers? Will this help my audience test? You need to get their feedback. So there's a couple of ways you can get their feedback. You can, if you have an email list, you can send out surveys asking them. You can do it through social media. If you run a Facebook group or if you are in this professional's Facebook group, maybe you don't own it, you're not the admin, but there's a large group in it. Ask a question that you know maybe your ideal customer avatars and your ICA, right? What is it that they need? Throw it out there as a question and just watch the comments. See what people are, survey the comments, see what they're saying. Take notes on everything. Now you now have a better understanding of what your customers' needs are, now you can create content, no matter if it's the written form, we talked about video, audio, 
now you're adding value to that that people can take forth. So number two point, don't be self-promotional. Number three, focus on customer needs through that. So those are the ways that you can have a better understanding and focus on your target audience. Yeah, and I think the way to deliver some element of sales in the in the content that you're developing, right? You, you're in a business that provides a service or perhaps you develop a product and you're serving a particular audience, right? So you just gave the advice of listening to your audience to determine what they need so you can build content that's according to their needs. Well, in addition to that, you have competitors in the space, right? So what is it that's relatively unique to you? What is it that you do that your competition doesn't? If there's a way to weave that into the content delivery, right? Now you're putting your unique spin, your unique brand on it for that audience. And the next point is to review your scheduled content to make sure that your tone is one of empathy. Now, we talked a lot about this. I believe in episode four was a lot about being empathetic, making sure that your messaging doesn't come across as insensitive. It is not inappropriate. This happens a lot. It doesn't have to be in this crazy, you know, turbulent time. It could be when the, you know, go back a year ago and everything is great. The economy is booming. Unemployment continues to go down. You can still be insensitive. You can still, you know, not be empathetic. So these values, these rules that we're sort of talking about, that has never changed. I would say right now that the sensitivity is more heightened based off of the crazy amount of, you know, the tens of millions of people that are unemployed, making sure that your messaging is in line with their needs, but also empathetic and sensitive to how they're feeling and and maybe what they're going through at this time. So the big thing is review the content that you've scheduled and please schedule your content out. Don't do it on the fly. Don't do it on Tuesday. And you're, you're either blowing it out Tuesday night or even Wednesday. Try to schedule things out as best you can at, at some point in advance. So I would say review your content that's scheduled. And the big thing is review it for sensitivity. Make sure that you are empathetic. No doubt. And while you're keeping to a publishing schedule, one thing that's going to be critical to remember is be agile. Things are going to change. The environment is going to shift. New news is going to break. Customers are going to react differently to it. You've got to be prepared to change your content plan as the world around you changes. It's important, too, that you don't always know when things are going to take off. As we create this at the beginning of June, you know, we're still waiting to see, you know, the certain effects. Every state is different. If you're global, obviously, some of this we talk about is in the USA, but in in Europe, I mean, there's a lot of similarities. Canada, Mexico, India, you have to obviously get in touch and know your audience. But be proactive. It's important to plan that content also for this post sort of COVID-19 future. The thing with that is you have to be very fluid in this, kind of what Chris talked about. You have to be a little bit agile with this because you never know at the same time when you're going to have to maybe potentially, if this second wave comes through and there are more lockdowns, hopefully there's not, you have to be able to pivot and adjust on the fly. So the big thing is be proactive, plan your content, but also be thoughtful about maybe when you're going to publish your content. And one of the ways that you can determine what to publish is data. You're going to hear me say this a lot because I am a, a major data geek. Use research and use data to support your content. 
use it to support all of your business decisions. I mean, I, I always like to say, what does the data say, right? Take the opinions out of it, even your own. Let the data guide you. And we're going to talk about some tools that you can use shortly, but the data should be the core of your decision-making process. How are people behaving? Is the behavior what you would expect? What quantitative data is available? What qualitative data? Ryan mentioned some surveys and, and potentially focus groups and whatnot earlier. Get all of the data you can and use that to base your decisions on. It will make this process so much easier and more importantly, so much more accurate. And then the final point is to create content for the long term. What we mean by that is one thing to always think about is when you are looking at SEO content marketing compared to paid media, PPC and so forth. If you want to get to the number one in the search engine results page, 100% of the time, I'm going to tell you, or maybe I should say 99% of the time, I'm going to tell you, do a PPC campaign because you know what? Potentially in one hour, I can have you from nobody heard of you to the number one ranking on those keyword phrases. Now, you can't take that same concept and apply it to SEO because SEO is the marathon while that paid advertising is the sprint. So when you're talking about the long game, the marathon, you have to think long term in developing your content. You also have to manage your expectations for long term and not the short term. So while we're going through you know, turbulent times, you could have a bunch of employees that have been riffed, furloughed, skeleton crew, whatever you call it. It's important to create that content and publish that content, knowing that you're not going to see immediate results potentially, depending on your industry right now, but plan for the future. Plan down the road six months, nine months down the road. And the one thing we know is with SEO, the organic, the free content has way more sustainability than you'll ever get with content that you produce strictly on paid because paid is like a light switch. When you turn it on, I can get you at the top of the page. When you turn it off, it's gone forever. With SEO, as long as that content with duration, the longer it lives on your website, we're talking weeks, months, now you get into years, it gets legs and it just grows and it continues to climb up the, uh, you know, potentially the search engine results page. So Google, for example, loves content that has been around for a while. Now it has to be updated. It has to be relevant, but it does like that than opposed to maybe some content that was just published last weekend. Now, if you're a big publication that has high domain authority and it gets a lot of traffic, that's a little different. But for everybody else who maybe does not have that, you want to plan to create that content for the long term so that do it now so that when things you know start to stabilize the economy and everything else, content will have its chance to rise up in the, uh, the rankings. So again, it's to develop, publish that content, think long term because SEO is the long game, Chris. Yeah, I think that's spot on. And the interesting thing about SEO is you don't always know exactly which you know assets that you develop, which pieces of content are going to become successful over the long term. And I thought it might be relevant to share anecdotal story of the first blog you and I started together. This goes back almost 10 years now, if you can believe that, probably eight or nine years. Ryan was in charge of getting the blog started, and I was working on the website of things at the time. And it was... I want to say a late Thursday afternoon, I had come into his office and, uh, you know, he was, he looked sort of downtrodden and beat. And I was like, what's up? Do you remember that conversation? Essentially, we started talking about how <laughs> you were trying to get this blog you know, it's going. Funny, it's, 
I, I vaguely remember this, but also I feel like this. I'm hearing this for the first time. <laughs> I, I, I think it's very poignant for the moment because we had a conversation about how you were trying to get the blog going and you were struggling to get buy-in and to get people to write. We didn't have any writers at the company at the time, right? And so I just off the cuff, I don't even know why I volunteered that I was like, I could probably write something. And you took me up on it. Like, I don't even think you thought about it. You were like, seriously, you'll write something? You'll really do that? (laughs) Sounds like me. (laughs) So so then the topic of conversation naturally turned to, all right, well, what do you need me to write about? And the company had just acquired a document viewer at that time that supported Flash as well as HTML5. HTML5 still being relatively new at the time. So I'm like, I could probably do an HTML5 versus Flash article. And and you bit instantly and were like, yes, write that. (laughs) Yes, I do remember this now. (laughs) Which, by the way, I'll... continue on but it it turned out well yeah so you know this was my first jump into writing anything that was going to be published in any capacity and i was nervous about it and i probably spent about i'd say two weeks writing the prevailing knowledge at the time was that blog posts should be about 500 words so i put together about a thousand words on the subject of html5 versus flash and we ended up deciding to break it up into a part one and a part two and we published it And the running joke, the company would have quarterly meetings with the entire company where all of the division heads gave updates. And the running joke was that that article, at least the part one of that article, was the top blog post every single quarter for something like three years running. Do you remember that? (laughs) I do. (laughs) It's a great story. I'm very proud of that one. (laughs) But I think but it goes to to the moral of the story is you play for the long game. You create value something that's relevant at that time. So here's the thing. I, I, I think the principles haven't changed. Take something that is relevant way back when David Meerman Scott, he came up with this term called newsjacking and he created it. No different than HubSpot created a term called inbound marketing, right? If, if you're in this industry, you've probably heard these terms. They came up with it, but everybody uses it. And what's interesting is it was, in a way, what you created at the time was a news jacking. It was something that was new, something that was old. You just said, you know what? I'm going to do a comparison of the two. And it's no different. You can, in this day and age, you can create content that compares A versus B because people search for those, especially if you're in the B2C world and you're talking about products and models or whatever. People search for comparing this versus that all the time and i think back in uh, what was this 2011-ish I, I believe this is when this was give or take that's what happens and we jumped on it but here's the thing back then 500 words was probably the standard then it maybe went up to 600 so we added you know chris, i say we chris did it he had a thousand words and it actually took off and what happened was other blogs and syndication started picking it up as well and sending traffic. Now, again, that was 10 years ago. And and as much has changed, a lot of it is still the same. Add value, create content that means something to somebody. So through all of this, I think you can apply those same principles. Think long-term down the road post this pandemic because it does take time. But when it clicks, it clicks. And you don't have to click for everybody. What you have to click is who is your niche? Narrow it down to your audience. Get very, very narrow and talk to them. Speak their language. 
create this ideal customer avatar, meaning create this, whoever you think this person is, give it a name, Mary, Bobby, Joey, whatever, and write for that person. And what you'll end up finding is you will add value and quality in your content to that person because you're going to answer maybe what they have as an FAQ in their head, but your document, your content, your video is going to be all about answering their questions, maybe before they even ask it. So you, you, at least when you get that mindset to uh, to create all this. But uh, while wow, you really threw a uh, going back there, that was a blast from the past, Chris. I did not expect you to talk about that, <laughs> but it's a great story. I thought it was relevant when you were talking about long term because I remember writing it. And I mean, just for, for years after that, having it be one of the top performing blog articles. And it checked all of the boxes that you mentioned earlier about being authentic, uh, the concept of newsjacking and being timely. HTML5 was really just starting to be adopted at the time. And so I wrote it from the perspective of a developer that was trying to pick a path and some of the information they needed to know. And it wasn't sales oriented. Uh, at the time. Uh, it allowed the developer to pick the path they wanted based on the pros and cons that we laid out. And I just thought it was a very timely and relevant story to share. And if you really want to know, do a Google search for Chris Casale, HTML5 versus Flash, and I'm sure you're going to find it. If you don't find it, number one, it's going to be at the top of the page. Please don't do that. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> do, and then send me a tweet on Twitter. Let me know uh, what you found. I think we would be remiss if we didn't devote some time in this this podcast to SEO tools. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here because this industry is littered with all kinds of tools. And many of them are very, very good. But I would argue there's really only one tool that you need and it won't cost you anything. And Ryan, you know what I'm going to say. Google Keyword Planner. It is one of my favorite tools. It is free once you have an account. It's a great way to, you can, you know, input websites and they can pull keywords that you're ranking for, maybe a competitor to find out, you know, what is it, the types of content do you want to write for? What is it that people are searching for? So a couple of things, there's two ways. One, you can put links in, as I mentioned, and it will kind of extrapolate the keywords that that site or that web page is all about. So that's a good way to understand it. The next thing is, you can pick an area, a region, a country, a continent, and start typing in your keywords, and it will tell you the popularity of them, how often people are looking at it. So Google Keyword Planner is great to understand sort of you know what people are searching for and that again that is free now i believe you might have to set up a, a free account in order to do that it's not like they need a credit card credit and accounts and then you can start searching for that so that's number one now i'm going to pivot off that just a, a minute and google has a separate platform called google trends this is a little bit of a prediction where you can again type in the keywords and it will help you determine, you know, where these keywords have been and predicting where they're going in a sense of popularity. So this will give you an idea if you really want to test out and see the differences between where something was maybe up or down. You know, let's, for example, let's say a keyword nobody heard of and all of a sudden it took off. Type in coronavirus, type in COVID-19, and you will see something that went from flatlined to through the roof. So Google Trends, if you, to give you an example of that, you can use it for that and see, you know, through historical data and so forth, what people are searching for. It's really interesting to see here because you can see behavioral trends and patterns shift and change with Google Trends by typing keywords. Whatever industry you're in, type in those keywords in Google Trends. 
And it'll be interesting to see if it was high up before a sort of global pandemic and then it dropped down that, you know, maybe it'll add a little proof to like, yeah, we, we know this is happening or it's the opposite. You might see something that was dead in the water and all of a sudden since March and April and May and, and June, you're going to see that skyrocket up and it will give you clues of what to maybe jump in on. So Google Keyword Planner and Google Trends, I think, are two great tools that are free to use and that definitely should be taken advantage of if you're not already doing it. And both of those are core tools that help highlight one of the points we made earlier about using data to support your content. It can help you brainstorm content ideas by giving you alternative keywords or phrases to consider that perhaps are getting more searched, but it also will help highlight the trends and the competitiveness of a particular keyword if that's a keyword worth jumping into and writing some more content on or producing more relevant content. And Chris, and to add on to that, I think another great tool is SEM Rush. I've been a big fan of that for many years. I think it's a great way to find out the traffic and keywords that people are typing into your competitors' websites. Um, and it has a lot more tools than that. I mean, a lot more. It's a very powerful tool. It's not the only one. There's there's SpyFu. There's Ahrefs. That if you want to look at like Domain Authority, there's a lot of these tools. But if I had only pick three and call them out today, uh, it would be Keyword Planner, Google Trends, and SEMrush to really look at your own website from a third party, as well as to take a look and see maybe what kind of traffic or keywords that your competitor is ranking for. What I like about SEMrush is you can take it from a global, from that country, and if it's a very localized, you have a small to medium-sized business, you have a brick and mortar, and let's say in the middle of America and Oklahoma City, and that's the only place you have, you can create SEMrush, what keywords rank from that city. So it doesn't matter if you're in Los Angeles or if you're in Seattle or if you're in Atlanta. What does it look like if you're in Oklahoma City? So I think there's these tools have a very powerful there's so much you can do with them i would say if you're a novice and you're starting out a lot of these tools have tutorials i highly recommend that you do it because the one thing chris i know you and i have talked about this including google search console google analytics especially google analytics and we'll talk more about that in episode seven it is overwhelming if you're not familiar with these and it's easy to look at it say yep mm -hmm, all right and you click out because it's you're, you're not familiar with it. So I would say take baby steps. It is a lot to take on if you're not in this world, if you're not familiar with it, but there's a lot to be learned and they are all very powerful. So these are the tools that uh, I, I think we both recommend. Yeah, and it's one of the primary reasons we sort of save tools for the end is that we don't want you to get hung up on it. It's a podcast, but it's also a happy hour, and it's meant to be light and give you some general information. You can do a search on any of the things that we recommended today and learn more about them. Uh, you can also visit araxam.com, A-R-A-X-A-M. There's plenty of resources up there that Ryan and I contribute to on a regular basis. So that will wrap up this edition, but no episode is complete without the Keep It Light segment. Ryan, what are you binge watching or reading these days? So I just kind of burned right through on Netflix, uh, Dead to Me with uh, Christina Applegate. You know, the first couple episodes, I was like, oh, uh, uh, it, it just didn't pick up. If you're not familiar with it, it's kind of a very dark uh, comedy, dark humor to it. 
but it kind of burned through. They're only, I think, like 30, 25, 30 minutes each. And uh, I think I've burned through those in a, in a few nights. So Dead to Me, really good. Slow start in season two, but uh, I've always been a big fan of Christina Applegate. So uh, I uh, burned through that over the last week. Yeah, I saw the first season, but I haven't watched season two yet. So definitely on my list. I actually took a break and I'm reading right now and I needed something, you know, I've been I've been studying for my PMP recently, just passed my test, relieved to have that over with. So I needed something light and Suzanne Collins just released The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes and it's a prequel to The Hunger Games, which is primarily geared at teens, so it's very very light, but so far, I'm enjoying it. So I heard that was coming. I don't know if there's any movie yet that is uh, being announced. I, maybe I, that's what I heard about it already, but I uh, I enjoyed The Hunger Games a lot. So I knew this was coming. I didn't realize it was even out until you just mentioned it. So uh, so you like it, huh? Yeah, it's definitely a good read so far. She Suzanne Collins has a way of taking very complex thoughts and ideas and delivering them to a way as in a way that a teenager can understand it, which, <laughs> let's be honest, who does and appreciate that. So that'll wrap up this episode. What did you think? If you get a chance, we'd love you to leave us a review, preferably a positive one. If you got any value out of this podcast, or maybe even a slight laugh, please share this with your friends and colleagues. Uh, this will help us spread the word about Digital Marketing Happy Hour, which is officially our mom's favorite podcast. And we'd love to hear from you. Did you hear something you loved? Better yet, did you hear something you hated? Do you think we suck? Let us know. Send us an email. Podcast at araxon.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M dot com. Also, feel free to reach out to us. Ryan Smith, you could reach me on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Ryan Smith FLA. That's R-Y-A-N-S-M-I-T-H-F-L-A. Also on LinkedIn, just do a search for Ryan Smith Marketing and you can find us there. Chris? And I'm on Twitter at Real Chris Casale. That's at R-E-A-L-C-H-R-I-S-C-A-S-A-L-E. And if you haven't done so yet, subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss any more episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. Visit Araxum at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at cactusslimrecords.com. The music used for closing credits is a song called In My Pocket by Jazzer. You can find it on their album Message. Learn more at betterwithmusic.com. Thank you for listening.